we have to realize that we're, you know, we're all on this spectrum of men and women and everything in between. And the more we just say, you know, let's just be who we are and be able to be authentic and sincere in that and be accepting of that. Again, the more we're going to be able to build better communities. Welcome to the Mindful Wealth Podcast. Stop financializing everything. What is true wealth? What's the right metric for success? Much of how we live presupposes that our incomes or spending is a good measuring stick. But can you really quantify success with a bank balance? Or should we include softer things like learning and love, generosity and gratitude, and happiness and well being? Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Mindful Wealth Podcast. We have with us today Liza Rogers, who is actually a guest on another show of mine. Liza is the founder of REN, so the Women's Real Estate Investors Network. She is a career real estate investor, and she has just recently curated the book Ordinary to Extraordinary, which is a collection of personal stories from female real estate investors. So we thought she would be an excellent person to have on this season's show about women and wealth. Yeah. Liza, tell us your story. Uh, what what makes you you? You know, what do you do? We've already said you, you're a real estate investor, but what do you love? You know. So yeah, so I mean, basically, uh, I have been in tourism and events and love to travel. And I always kind of say, you know, I retired first, and then at forty, I was like, oh, what do I do with this great lifestyle that I've built? How am I ever going to retire? And I realized that, you know, as someone who was working, I I was kind of an early adopter to the gig economy, right? I was working on contract a lot, went between cruise ships and events, had a great time. But the reality was, there was no way I was ever going to be able to afford to retire. You know, I I used to be kind of a, a unicorn, a single woman with no children, but now there's more and more of us. And, and we have to plan things out a little bit more, right? So I, uh, I started thinking about how am I going to ever be able to retire and maintain this great lifestyle that I have? Because I was just completely unwilling to compromise my, my lifestyle. And I looked at real estate and real estate was the only solution that made sense to me. It was something that I could do. It was something that I could collaborate on. It was something that you know I could do with, with OPM, right? Other people's money. And so I dove in, learned as much as I could and I'm one of those people who, as I learn exciting things, I love to share them. And so as I was learning, I was sharing with other people and I was generally finding that women were not participating in in real estate investment, even though they are driving the market in many ways in terms of the whole real estate thing globally, and especially in North America and and in, in Europe, we're not necessarily making big investments. And so- Ren was born uh, to help with that. And Ren and myself and, and all of our community are just like moving forward, incredible momentum, even in this time that we're in right now, this time of uncertainty. Uh, you know, uncertainty often brings the greatest opportunity. And so, yeah, my story is real estate was a solution to a problem of having too much fun and not having enough money. That's a big problem. <laughs> and I had to fix it. And real estate was the solution. And so here I am a few years later and and super excited to be here. So, I mean, you've already hinted at some of the questions to come, which is, which is great. But before we go into that, I want to actually, we talk about true wealth. We talk about success. You know, I think you mentioned fulfillment in your, in your book is kind of how you reference it. So what does that mean to you? What is true wealth in your, in your definition? Yeah, for me, you know, true wealth is less about money and more about experience, right? Like I'm not someone who's a, a, I don't collect stuff. Like you see, you know, a half a dozen little pieces of a very inexpensive art on my, my wall there. You know, I've got the Ibis from Australia, the wave from BC, the Kiwi uh, and the Sydney shot, You know, and for me, life is about the people that you get to hang out with and the experiences that you share and the memories that you create. You know, I think there's an old saying about, uh, you know, I want to go to my grave with a photo album loaded with memories, not a bank account full of money. You know, (laughs) so, you know, I just I'm a I'm an experienced person and I I probably spend as fast as I earn. So wealth to me is is having a a full you know that that fulfillment a, a full life where i wake up in the morning and i feel good about what i'm doing i feel good about the 
the relationships that I'm creating. I feel good about the impact that I'm making in my community, you know, that I'm not doing any damage to anyone. And, and that for me is, is what wealth is about, you know, having, having enough money to be able to provide for myself, provide for my mom, you know, my mom's 76 now, and, and she's a, she's a rock star. We, we just love her. All my friends love her and we, we travel together. We're doing a big trip coming up soon, actually being able to do that and, and being able to, to, to just, you know, be, be comfortable and, and not have to rely on the government. You know, I mean, so many of us right now are, we need government handouts to survive and, I just don't want to be one of those people who reaches an age where it's like, if I'm not getting money from the government, I'm not going to going to be able to survive. I, I don't, you know, I just, I know that we, we have people in our community who need that, but I think all of us need to also learn to become more responsible for, for our own futures. Because if you put responsibility in the hands of someone else, then you only have yourself to blame when you don't end up having what you, uh, what you really want. Yeah. And so let's like put a little bit of a, you know, women's positioning spin on this. So this episode is about women and wealth. You've kind of outlined for us what you feel like, you know, wealth is for you. Maybe you can kind of connect the dots a little bit for us between your definition of wealth, financial wealth, and then the way in which you see, you know, femininity or a positioning as a woman fitting into that. Because like, really, I don't know if you're, obviously you're aware of this, but like, Ren and extraordinary, ordinary to extraordinary are two like very kind of, I don't want to say feminist because maybe you don't like the word, I don't know, but very like female forward kind of things. So tell us, connect those dots for us. Absolutely. Yeah, Terry, you're, you're right on, right? I mean, whether you word the, the, whether you word it as, as feminist or, or women forward or women centric, right? It, it is about helping to empower and encourage women. Uh, we have, you know, we have lots of men who participate with us as well as, as part of REN, the Women's Real Estate Network, but we mostly are about helping to educate and, and help women feel enlightened. So a couple of key reasons for that. In Canada, and actually in the US as well, the average age of a widow is 56 years old. And so that's a shocking, yeah, right, Jonathan, that's the, that's the face we state that statistic, right, because people are shocked when they hear that statistic. And I go and check it every time I'm doing a podcast, because it, it is one of the most shocking statistics, and it's something that women need to be aware of. So the reasons for that, women tend to look after their health more than men. So they are generally healthier. They are living longer. Uh, women are, are anticipated that they may outlive their partners by as much as 30 years. They're remaining single longer. So they may, uh, after they uh, their partner passes away, they may not remarry. So they might be single for 30 years and do what a lot of the women that we're seeing are doing now, you know, buying what we call the BFF mansion, buying the, the best friends forever mansion with their, their girl pals, like the golden girls. And that statistic, you know, also uh, comes from the fact that generally speaking, women tend to marry a little bit older than themselves, right? So, so many uh, male-female relationships are, you know, the, the gentleman in the relationship might be anywhere from two to 15 or, or 20 years older. So that statistic comes from a, a logical place. And yes, it is a scary statistic. So if women aren't looking after their wealth, and their health, because, you know, again, part of being wealthy is having access to good health, which we, <laughs> we could talk about on a whole other podcast. But part of that is, you know, being able to a afford what you need to, to do to be healthy, being proactive about it rather than reactive about it, and putting things in place to make sure that you are set up for a long, healthy, wealthy life. And when you look at statistics like the average age of a widow in Canada, another, you know, and the US, as I mentioned, and you know, another shocking statistic after a divorce, which let's face it, divorce rates are about 50 to 60% for most marriages. Apparently they're improving because less people are getting married. So the, the, that stat is changing, but a woman's quality of life typically drops by 75% after a divorce. So with wow. those stats alone, women need to wake up and participate in the whole investment culture. And women make good investors because they generally tend to invest holistically with more thought. So they will, you know, they love to collaborate. So, you know, Ren's all about collaboration. 
They love to collaborate. They like to get lots of good information, lots of due diligence, lots of referrals, and make good, sound, holistic investments. And so that is a better benefit for themselves, for their families. Over the long term, it could be a better benefit for their communities. And again, it goes to the, the fact that women must step into this space now. So we have to start getting more and more women investing. And, and I love to see that there are so many uh, different organizations, you know, really globally now that are focused on getting women in investing, whether in real estate or businesses or community, their health, their wealth, all of these things. How, how important, I'm just curious because you, we talk about all the statistics and, and they're very, I mean, I'm shocked by the, the 50, 55, 56, was it? Yeah, I think that's some early demise from from men as well uh, there as well. But uh, how important is mindset? Like in the oh. book, you talk a lot about confidence coaching or know your why coaching sort of. Uh, how important is that? Once you know all those statistics, how important is is getting some coaching on those mindset things? Yeah, great, great point, Jonathan. You know, one of the the things for for me. Uh, that's key is attitude and mindset, right? I mean, you you can pro probably get a pretty good sense. I'm a pretty cheerful, optimistic person. You know, my my biggest momentum pushes forward have been in the times of greatest uncertainty and greatest change and challenge. And so, you know, it's it's mindset that really helps us with that. So a couple of key things that we talk about when we talk about mindset, surround yourself with people who are going to support you. And that's why having a network of people, you know, whether that's an affinity group for your your hobbies or your your health or your wealth, whatever it is, but surround yourself with people who lift you up. One of the first things I say to people, stop watching those reality TV shows where women are kicking each other down because they are a disaster and none of those should be on TV because they do nobody any good whatsoever. We need to constantly be lifting each other up we need to be supporting each other. And, and that goes for the guys too. I mean, one of the things that I say to men is you guys need your tribe too, right? Like men have kind of gotten the, the, the short end of the stick right now is women are like booming, right? The guys are like, well, what are, we're, what's our role? But you guys need to have your space as well and need to be able to be men, right? So, you know, what, so what does that, that mean now? I'm not sure what that means exactly, now. That's, that's a different right? podcast. That's a different podcast. Yeah, that's, no, no, that's the last question, Jonathan. Don't steal the thunder one. from later. That's a whole other one. But, but that mindset piece is, you know, waking up in the morning, feeling grateful for what you have, right? Being, you know, I have a little gratitude egg in my window and somebody gave it to me and you just, I hold on to it in the morning and I just say a couple of things that I'm grateful for, realizing, you know, when you look around you, that so many people in the world have it much worse off than you do, pretty much no matter what your current situation is. And, and you know, being grateful for a sunny day, being grateful for a rainy day, if that's what you need, right? But looking at things always with that sense of optimism, because that, if you if you turn on the news every day and watch the news, you will just wallow in sadness. And, and none of us will get anything done if we just sit around uh, and we won't change the world. We won't make improvements if we just sit around and watch the news, you know, that's fed to us in a, a very kind of fearful way, especially, you know, in the U.S., right, where you've got such terrible access to, uh, to actual global news, like what's really happening in the world. It's a little bit better here in Canada, but, but not by much. But, you know, it's that surrounding yourself with people waking up with the right attitude and and also when things aren't great being open about it right like i'm the first one if i'm you know have i mean we have weekly ren meetings and if i'm not having a bad not having a great day sometimes i just put my hand up and say okay ladies and gentlemen i'm having a shitty day and i'm just putting it out there i'm not going to be my usual self so someone else is going to have to drive the bus today and when you've got a good group of people they come to the rescue every time can you, cause you, you are very happy and full of energy and I can totally sense that I've just met you like five minutes ago. What are some of the struggles you've had to overcome? I mean, let's, let's make that real. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. So many, you know, being a single person, you know, I, I, uh, I, you know, grew up with a, a mom who raised two daughters on a hairdresser's salary. I mean, we moved a lot when I was a kid. So I was always a new kid on the block you know, going through times in my life where I didn't have a job, you know, like got laid off because of 9-11 uh, and I was in the travel industry or, you know, an event. For example, I, I had the great privilege of working at the Vancouver Olympics, which I loved doing. And then after the Olympics was finished, 
everybody in the city of Vancouver was now an event planner and the salaries dropped by 30%. So you're like, you could make a living one week and now you're living in one of the most expensive cities in North America and you can't make a living doing it. So I, oh gosh, I've had so many challenges to overcome. I moved to Australia, you know, gave up my life in Vancouver uh, moved to Australia uh, with a partnership that I thought was solid and, you know, pretty much lost everything. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, I came back home and I moved to Victoria and that was kind of when I had to, I had to restart. And I said to, you know, my friends and my family, I said, look, I'm pretty much at rock bottom here. So uh, when you see me, just expect tears, right? <laughs> and so, you know, that's part of it as well, right? Is being vulnerable enough to know when you need help and and saying hey need some help here uh, and your friends are gonna are going to be there and so having a, a good stable strong relationship with friends and family uh, helps because there are going to be times when you're going to feel like crap uh, and and that could come from you know losing a person or losing money or losing opportunity and and whatever it is it's it's being open to going through that right because when you go through it rather than suppress it you come out the other side so I'd rather you know push my way through it and then come out the other side and and yeah I've, I've had to re read reinvent myself many times and each time you know you just you learn from those mistakes those you know you pay your tuition and you just keep pushing forward and you end up coming out with new knowledge new confidence new ideas usually new supporters and uh, and just yeah a whole a whole new refreshed outlook on things but so if we bring it back to like kind of you know the 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 women question what are some of the obstacles you feel like are out there that women face to building wealth to involving themselves in investing and and cultivating that kind of you know stability that if ever if or or if, if by choice they find themselves alone that they can you know look after themselves yeah great question terry so so fortunately the obstacles are becoming less and less right we are we are in a phase now where as we we we're noticing that women are taking more and more control more and more responsibility for their lives rather than giving that responsibility away so so if we talk to you know our our parents or grandparents for some generations you know, a, a lot of women didn't even have their own bank account, didn't have their own credit card, would go into a bank and and apply for a mortgage. And God forbid you were a single woman applying for a mortgage, because the first thing the banker would say would be, is your husband applying for this uh, for this mortgage with you? Right. So we're only just reaching that point now where institutionally governments, the banks, uh, you know, the insurance companies, all of the big kind of, you know, institutions that are that are the boxes, you know, we call them the, the, the institutions and the boxes. They're finally balancing out a little bit, right? It's not, you know, it's not all men. There's more women being involved. And, and as we see that women do contribute to their communities more holistically, women are being in, invited in. So the other side of that is we're kind of no longer asking for a seat at the table. We're just saying, move over, I'm coming in with my seat. And so that's a very different approach to, please, sir, may I come and join you to, you know, hey, dude, can you move over a little bit? I'm coming in. And so it, it, we're seeing those kinds of things happen. We're seeing the, the institutions changing in terms of, you know, how many, how many boards do you hear now saying we need diversity? We need, you know, more people of color. We need more uh, age diversity. Uh, we need more women. You know, basically what they're saying is we need more than just the old white guy, right? Like they're just saying that in, in the political correct way that they need to say it. And, and that is really uh, making a, a big clearing a path for, for more women to participate. So the obstacles are becoming less and less. The, the other thing that's happening globally is the access to education. And this is having a huge impact on the number of children born, for example. I mean, it used to be on the African continent, I think the average number of children was somewhere between nine and 17. Hmm. That with education has dropped to between, I think it's four and 10. So people are having far less children because as they get educated and understand the opportunities that they have, as women who have some form of education, they can participate more in the, the growth of their community 
and they can come participate more in the control and responsibility over their own bodies. And so having less children, less, less impact on the environment, more sustainable and, and more opportunities for women to, to be more than, than, you know, just a, a mom, which not saying that that's you know, a bad thing, uh, but a lot of women have not been able to have the opportunity to, to do other things. So, so the obstacles are coming down, the, the uh, advancement in education, and whether that's self-education, personal growth, or, or university or, or high school education, it depends where, where in the world you are, but just access to people and, and education of almost any kind for women is, is a great thing, and that's really changing. And I think the 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 final thing that I would say is is the networks that women are setting up. I mean, we just see groups and groups and groups of women getting together and and building strong networks and having their club, right? Having having their their clubs, their tribes, just like we mentioned. You know, the guys need that too. Uh, and gentlemen have had it. You know, the guys have had the men's clubs for a long time, and we've seen a little bit of a decline in that because women want in. And it's like, okay, ladies, we got to give the guys their space too. We don't need to be in on everything. You know, let's have some of our own stuff, and let's let the guys have some of their own stuff, and let's find ways that we can, you know, build build on each other's strengths and support each other because that's really what it all comes down to. We all we all need to support each other if we're all gonna gonna survive and and thrive. Is, is there a need, I, I'm just, I'm thinking as we're going here and, I, and, and I'm just noting that you're, you're very open. Hey, men need their space. Women need their space. We need to support each other across the, you know, across the genders. And, and I'm sure you would say the same thing about colors and, and everything, right? Is there, this is a political question and no. I apologize for this, right? Uh, and Terry's like going, oh my God, here we go. Uh, <laughs> so in the U.S., like 65% of realtors are women. It used to be 30, 35 years ago that that women got 44% of the college degrees. Now it's more like 55 to 56% of the college degrees. Y'all are way better at forming those networks and being social than we are. The reason that I think that we had it for so long is because we, you know, we did, we sort of held everyone back for a long, long, long time, right? So, but the more you guys get there, the more you're you're setting up these networks you're going to take over. Like we've already seen this, right? It is happening. It's And so on the other side, I think we see a lot of fear. I think one of the things we see in the US specifically is an enormous amount of fear is, and it's, will you include us? And I love what you're saying, because I think you will. I don't think everyone feels that way. I'm just wondering if you would, if you run any of these other networks that are like, no, 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 just women, just women, just women. I mean, there are, you know, there are the networks that are just women, just women, just women, just as there are the networks that are, you know, just men, just blacks, totally. just, just whatever. Right. And I think we need both. And, and, and again, I think we all need to recognize that, you know, we need to let men be men and we need to let women be women. And then we know that there's that whole spectrum of everything in between. Right. Yep. yep. You know, like there's, uh, you know, sometimes people will will tell me a story, uh, you know, after I've had some of these conversations and they'll say, oh, yeah, my little boy, I knew that he was going to be one of those manly men from the time he was two, be just because of the way he picked up hammers and played with trucks and the way he picked his clothes. And then, the you know, same thing with the girls, right? Like, no, my baby girl, princess, princess, princess. All she wanted to do was wear pink dresses and a crown. So I knew she was also... You know, we do, we have to realize that we're, you know, we're all on this spectrum of, uh, of, of men and women and everything in between. And the more we just say, you know, let's just be who we are and be yep. able to be authentic and sincere in that and be accepting of that. Again, the more we're going to be able to build better communities globally, you know, nationally, locally, Right. I mean, one of the things that we, we know is an issue is people who are transgender trying to find housing. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you have a community of transgender housing that build their own tiny home community, like, wouldn't that be a great thing? Right. Being being able to be in community and not feel like you're marginalized in, in any you know, culture is just such a powerful thing because you get your energy from your like minded supporters. Right. So it's always different when you're getting advice and, and feedback from someone who is more like you than from right. someone who's completely different than you, right? And 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 so that's, you know, obviously that's also a good thing because that breaks down barriers, but just as a pure, hey, I can be my total self around this person and then no one's gonna question who I am or why I am the way I am. 
so we yeah it's just i'm i strongly you know i'm I'm an advocate for you know live and let live right the the less fear we have in the world the more knowledge and respect we have for each other the the stronger we all get to move forward and the better world we're gonna have i mean it's it sounds so simple but it's just so true yeah we got we have to get out of our own ways i mean that's exactly yeah and and i think we have to realize there truly is enough for everybody right like we know we're in a in a in a global culture where we waste a lot and that's being worked on but it's not like there's going to be a a money tap that turns off when we reach you know a certain amount of money that's out in the world it's all, it's all of a sudden not going to turn off you know the water in california might be a different situation right that tap might might turn off but but you know, there's there's going to be other solutions we're, for, for we're just that. we're just going to take the water from other states. Yeah, I mean, take it from we're, Canada. We're like that's what we're going <laughs> to do. From BC, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but but that I think is the thing, right? Like there is enough for everybody. We have abundance. We waste so much. We waste yep. time. We waste yes. money. We may waste resources. And and if we, you know, as we're working through things now, and and young young minds and old minds working together to really create some some new solutions to problems you know, hopefully we'll, we'll get there. I, I think, it, I'm sorry, Terry, I'm cutting you off again. I'm just, I'm noticing you're trying to say something, but uh, uh, it's not just that we waste them. We also hoard, like the, because mm-hmm. we're so afraid we hoard Absolutely. and, and we're, we're afraid. And then we hoard more and we get more afraid. We hoard more and then there's not enough. And so there's this, if we just would relax yeah. and sort of support everyone, we would have yeah. enough to go around. Everyone could be happier. It's, I mean, you're totally right. You're right on, right on. Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, Terry, go ahead. Yeah. yeah and, no. and- and just just to add to that, right? Like, look at the whole growing your own food movement, right? I mean, it, that is coming back with a vengeance, right? People are are learning to be farmers again, and so you know, people are growing food in their backyard and and sharing. And if we all know how to grow a little bit of our own food, oh my gosh, how empowering is that? I'm one of those. I have a huge garden. Love it. Awesome. Love it. Yeah. Love I got it. chickens, and I I, I got chickens. It. I can't believe how many eggs they make. We don't have to buy eggs anymore. We have to give them away now. <laughs> fantastic fantastic love it uh, Liza, let's come back to your book so and I think this is a really like nice segue to it because I think actually everything you do is so coherent I don't know if you know how coherent it is but you know why collate this book of stories of women investors why why pick that project um, and get behind it yeah. So again, for me, you know, being being the leader of REN, the Women's Real Estate Network, and 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 seeing the vast opportunities that exist for women in real estate, Jonathan, just to one of your comments about the number of women who are realtors, right? But how many of those realtors are actually investors? Mm-hmm. So, and how many of them have it as a full time job or a part time side hustle? So it'd be interesting to to really dig into the data and see how deep it goes. So one of the things that we're noticing trend-wise is women are buying, uh, women are driving the real estate market, meaning if you're in a couple and you say to the man, okay, well, who made the decision on your house? 90% of the guys will say, oh, well, when I think of it, it was my wife, right? And there are many reasons behind that. Is it in the right neighborhood? Are the kids going to go to the right school? Are, are the, does the kitchen have enough space? Are there enough closets? What are the guys looking at? The garden, the garage, and the man cave. <laughs> I'm Not all guys do that. <laughs> right? I'm generalizing. But but generally, women are the ones who are fussier with their, with their real estate personal purchase. So with the book, what I was noticing was all of these women that I was learning from uh, and, and, uh, and investing with, they were all doing things that were very different. And so what I wanted to show is... Being a, a real estate in, investor isn't just about what I call the HGTV romance, right? It's not just about, you know, taking a house and flipping it and making it into a beautiful vacation rental, although that's a great thing. And I mean, I'm, I've done that myself and I'm, I'm actually in the process of doing that now, but there's so much more than that. So for example, Darlene Smith in Moncton on the East coast of Canada realized that seniors didn't have enough housing in her community. And so she built seniors housing. She started with, you know, she started her first thing was flipping a mobile home. And she went from that to renovating a property that could be turned into a senior's home to buying a piece of land, working with the government to get a grant to building an entire senior's complex and then actually selling it back to the government 
once she had staffed it up and created a whole system for them to run with. So that's a much, much different thing than, you know, doing a, a vacation rental. Then there's other people like Ava who are doing multifamily investments with uh, general partnership and limited liability partnerships in the U.S. with, you know, hundreds of investors buying $150 million properties. So there's this whole scope of what, what are these women doing? And each woman in the book was so unique and so different that I just felt like the stories had to be told. I mean, we could do a book with 50 women investors and we still wouldn't cover all of the, the possibilities. We've got people who are passive lenders. We've got people who built entire apartment buildings. We've got people who you know, have collaborated. So I, I feel like it's really important for, for women to hear what's possible. And I think the key thread in the book and, and why it's called From Ordinary to Extraordinary is all of these women, none of them were born with a silver spoon in their mouth. They, they, most of them came to real estate investing from some kind of, you know, crisis or path that they needed to change in their lives and realizing that real estate was a really good solution to a problem that they had. So I just, you know, I had, had to tell it and, and wanted to share it and, and hope that, uh, that it really inspires more women to realize that, you know, anybody can do it. You just, you need to have the right people. You need to have access to the right experts. You need to be in the right circle, you know, find groups of people who are like-minded. You need to be, you know, the timing is always good. And, and there's a number of factors that come together, but, but there's no barriers to, to real estate investing. If you're willing to put the work and the time in and surround yourself with the right people. You, you start with the statistic that women own just 20% of the world's land. And, and you, that's a global statistic. Is that right? Yeah. Is it, is it even 20%? It's 20. Yeah. I fact, I fact checked it. It was like yeah. in the opening of your book. And like, I was like, yeah. I don't believe this. I fact checked it. It's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So I think at one, at one time recently it was only 10%. So that's actually changed dramatically. So, so why do you think it's important to start there with, with real estate or with land instead of say the wage gap or total net worth or so why, why focus on real estate? Well, again, I think it's all of those things, Okay. right? I mean, you know, if, uh, if we are going to be able to play in the real estate game, we also need women to have good jobs and, and be able to uh, afford real estate. I mean, right now I'm in Victoria, BC, which is one of the most expensive markets in North America. And in order to qualify for, I believe it's a $400,000 mortgage, the way that the rates and the stress test are right now, you need to have a salary of $160,000, right? <laughs> like, you know, I mean, we know in the States, what is, what is the, the $30,000 is, is, is the average salary in the States because the, the number, the, no, no, okay. So, that's so the right. number of people that earn $30,000 is way, way, way higher than the people who earn, you know, over 80,000, for example. Right. So it's just, I think the, the, the number is something about the huge number of people in the U S who work in the fast food industry, for example, making $30,000 or less. So we need to work on all of those things. We need to close the, the gender gap. We need more women to be represented for many different reasons, right? More women, more people of color. We just, you know, I think someone said it recently, 50% of the global population is women. So why are they only getting to make 5% of the decisions? You know, <laughs> like just, you know, so... There's a, I just, I looked this up in preparation and I'm just going to put a few things here. So, so I looked this up, this is um, women's share of regional wealth is highest in North America, but it's growing fastest in Asia. So, so this, what this is, is the women's share of regional wealth in North America is 37%, right? In Asia, it's, uh, or say, we'll, we'll call it um, in, in excluding Japan, Asia, it's 32%. But in the U.S., it's only growing at 6%. And then in Asia, it's growing at 10%. And this is relative. This is women relative to men. And so think about looking across Eastern or Western Europe, it's like 14% is women. Uh, Asia, it's, it's like I just said, it's uh, uh, 13%. Japan is 2.7%. Latin America, it's 1.4%. You get to Eastern Europe, it's 0.8% is owned by women. It is, it is skewed so heavily against in, in everywhere but so much more in the emerging world. So it's, is there any work that you see being done that's like, that's working in that emerging world? Or is it, are you mainly working on the networks that are local to you in your space? 
Yeah, I mean, mostly we're working on the, the networks here. I mean, I'd love to, to do things more globally, but, you know, part of it is, you know, how, how much do we do we take on, right? I mean, I'd, I'd right. love to take on the world, <laughs> but uh, one, one thing at a time. But in terms of those emerging trends, you know, again, I think it's partly access to education. You know, yeah. and if you look at, at Asia, the, the access to education for, for all of Asia, and then if you think of, you know, the, the women citizens of those emerging markets and, and, and countries that are changing the way that they are, you know, are they communist or are they capitalist and, and how, how are they adjusting within those kinds of boundaries? In general, more women are just having access to, to everything, you know, money, you know, micro lending, education, you know, so many organizations globally are, are focusing on on getting women out of poverty, because when you bring a woman out of poverty, you also then bring her family out of poverty. And again, the, the international data shows that for every woman a dollar earns, she invests up to 80% of that back into her family and her community. And it's a little bit lower for the guys. <laughs> so when you're when you're spending a dollar and getting 80% of that invested back into that light, tight little circle, you know, that's a that's a pretty good return on on a, on the future investment for a, a community. It just it just bodes so well to be doing that. Do you think of real estate as you own property and and you get some kind of rents from that property, or do you think of it? Do you think of it as like running a business? Because I th I think that you know looking at private business and private enterprise is just one of those ways that we we develop wealth, entrepreneurship, and real estate is like a it's like an easy, well documented form to be a method of being an entrepreneur. Absolutely. So I definitely look at it as a business. You know, one of the things that that I I learned when I was first learning about real estate is how many businesses will you be able to go to the bank and say, hey, I'd like a mortgage. And the bank will say, okay, great. You only need to put 10% down, <laughs> right? So there are very few businesses where you can go to the bank and say, hey, you know, I'd like to start a business and I'd like you to give me 90% of the loan that I need to get this business started. So that again is one of the powers of being able to, to get into real estate. And and the access to to private money in real estate is huge. The access to government programs. We just did a presentation this week on a government program that's being updated. The Canada Mortgage Housing Corporation is doing a program where uh, you can pretty much get 95% of an apartment building either built or um, stabilized if you're buying an existing one funded. So, you know, you know, knock on the door and say, hey, I got this great opportunity. It's $2 million. What do, what, do, uh, what do I need to put down of my own money? Or if you're bringing in partners, right, maybe potentially none of your own money, $2 million investment, you might only have to come up with a with million dollars or sorry, $100,000 or maybe $200,000 to cover all of the costs. Like when you look at real estate as a business and you look at it as having lots of levels within that business, right? Like I often talk about, with my uh, investors, when we're looking at a property, I'll say, okay, put on your corporate hat, because now we're talking about the asset. So when we're talking about owning the asset of this, you know, this hard wall bricks and mortar thing, we're putting on our ownership hat. When we are talking about the executive rental or the tenants, we're now putting on our business hat, right? And we're, we're maybe putting on our, you know, how, how do we actually run the business? And, and so they're slightly different in terms of how you how you look at them. And then you also need to put on your tenant hat because if you're gonna be a good owner, you have to look at it from the perspective of what are you providing for your tenants? You know, are you providing safe, clean, affordable housing for your tenants? Or are you providing, you know, an, an amazing executive luxury rental experience that's gonna give you a great Airbnb review, right? So so knowing what you're providing and, and making sure that you're providing that. Uh, and so looking at it with that with that business hat on and understanding that even with that business hat on, there's different levels uh, that you're going to be looking at it from. I have a client who's been uh, a female client. She's older and she's always wanted to get into real estate a little bit. She has plenty of assets to do it. And she would you know, beat me if I didn't ask this question. Uh, so I have, to, I have to ask, you know, she's always struggled with make, taking that first step. You know, so what is that? What is, in your opinion, what's the first step? If someone really wants to get started and they want to invest in real estate, what's the first thing they should do? Join a network, right? I, I mean, that is it. You need to be in the room with people who are doing it. 
if you are in the room, and I mean, you know, it could be virtually, you know, start listening to podcasts, go to as many free education opportunities as you possibly can. I mean, I've been to, you know, Keyspire with Scott McGillivray. I've been to lots of RAIN events. I was a RAIN member for a while, Real Estate Investment Network of Canada. I managed to uh, to get a seat at a, a group with fortune builders in the US. So there's four of us that have a fortune builders membership and that's, you know, kind of the Canadian equivalent. You, you guys probably know Fan Merrill, right? Flip this house, that's fortune builders. So Annie's flip this house was huge in, in the US and then fans started fortune builders. And now it's a, it's a, it's an empire. I mean, it's huge. And, and so getting in with people who are in the room doing the same thing is where you need to start. Uh, I, I hear stories every day from REN members who say, oh, my God, I just talked my husband into letting us loosen up some of our equity in our home to help our daughter buy her first house, because that is the fear with baby boomers right now, right? They're not letting go of that wealth, and they could be helping their children become multimillionaires overnight by helping them get invested in real estate, but they're too afraid to start. Totally. So there's so many people telling the messages and the stories about how to invest in real estate. You know, just going to the network and get, how do you keep from, you know, being taken advantage of because you're, you're new. I think that's the biggest fear is there's so many people that are selling their book that are talking their book. Yeah. How do you avoid that? Yeah. So, so I, joining a network would be number one, join a network who actually works with experts. So a real estate focused lawyer, a real estate focused accountant regional experts, you know, people who are in the area that you are investing in that you can turn to and, and ask questions to, mortgage brokers who are investors. I mean, every person that we deal with in terms of our REN family, they all own investment properties. So our realtor is an investment-focused realtor. Our lawyer is an investment-focused lawyer who owns investment. And, and I mean, we've done we, we do deals with our experts, right? Like when you when you get a phone call from your lawyer that says, hey, I'd like to invest on this next project with you. You're like, oh, wow, that's so cool, right? Because that's like, you kind of hit the jackpot. Then when the lawyer is phoning you saying, hey, can I get in on your next investment? That's when you really know you're doing things right. When you get your realtor partnering with you. So, you know, th those are the kinds of things that you want to approach. So, so join a network, but, but, you know, do your due diligence, ask the questions. There should be no stupid question when you're just getting started. Right. I mean, you, you, you ask the, the questions, how do I get started? You know, what's the exit strategy? Everybody, you always need to know, okay, it's great. We're going to buy this thing. What do we do? How do we sell it? Right. What's the exit strategy? Get your own team. So, so, you know, it's one thing for me to have my lawyer and me to say, yeah, just talk to my lawyer. But go to your own lawyer and say, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of joining this group. This is what they're about. You know, what do you think about this? So just yesterday, for example, one of our uh, REN members has invested in the exempt market. And she said, yeah, it took me a while to make the decision to decide because my, my financial planner doesn't like the exempt market. So she said, but I'm doing it anyway. And so why is she doing it anyway? Because she's done her research. She's done her due diligence. She's looked at what the returns are, you know, past returns, which do not always reflect future opportunity, you know, disclosure, but she feels confident in making the decision based on, you know, the learning that she's learned from being in the group, the number of people who are invested with this particular person, their track record, understanding how to do due diligence, talking to her experts, and then deciding you know, do I listen to what my experts are saying or do I go with my own gut? And usually you end up somewhere in the middle. You're mm. going to do some deals that are just based on feeling and emotion and your gut. And you're going to do others that are, you know, your your advisor is going to say, this is a good opportunity. Go for it or run, run now, run as far as you can. <laughs> right. And so somewhere you're going to land, you know, in, in the middle of that. But but it is all about taking the first step to get in the room with people who are doing it. Read the books get the education, go to the free seminars, have coffee with people who are, are doing it. I mean, we, our REN members talk to our experts all the time, right? How do I become a private lender? Call Jorian, right? Jorian's like, uh, he's a private lender and a mortgage broker. And we've got people who are talking to him about, you know, what do I do when I do my first private loan? I mean, we've got a woman who's got a million dollars that she wants to lend. You don't just say, hey, you know, go loan it to this person. You say, talk to your lawyer, talk to this person, talk to this person and get it set up properly. 
I, I have one more sort of operational question, and, and I'm, I'm going to I'm going to back away and let Terry ask a question. Uh, can you speak to the difference between actively investing in real estate and passively investing in somebody else's real estate deal? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, great question. And and again, you know, it, it's kind of like the the man and the woman spectrum, right? There's passive lending and there's active uh, investing, and so. So there's everything on that scale. And people sometimes say, well, what's the difference, right? Well, it's, you know, the, the difference between being a true passive investor is you're writing a check and then you're like, you know, send me a report in six months time. You know, <laughs> And so there are lots of people who invest 100% passively. So they may invest in a, in a, in a project as a passive investor where they're just writing that check. And again, this is all done with the right due diligence. They might be a private lender where they, you know, they might go and look at the property that they're lending on. They then then it goes all the way from, you know, just investing the dollars to what our friend Joan is doing right now. You know, she's renovating a bank repossession mobile home. So she's on the tools, she's laying floors, she's ripping down wallpaper, she's putting up siding, she comes on to the meeting and she's covered in paint. Right. And and she's picking up water barrels and, you know, she needs to get her dog a T-shirt that says, you know, part of the construction crew. So there's everything in between. I mean, I fall kind of in the middle. I don't necessarily like to pick up the tools too often, but, I, you know, you, I, you can stick a paintbrush in my hand. And uh, and I think because of where I am in the network, because we have a number of different properties it's often my role is to be the the kind of the leader, the cheerleader, the person who brings the financing together, the person who brings the team together. And so that's an active role in terms of the, the structure, but it's not active in terms of having a hammer and a tool belt and a hat, you know, and, <laughs> and a drill, you know, so, and, and everything in between. So hopefully that kind of answers it, but, but, but what you do, like what a lot of investors do is before you you know make any big decisions, just play around a little bit, right? Go go to someone's renovation and pick up a, a tool for a half a day, and see if you like it, right? And and it's always different when you're doing it in collaboration than when you're doing it on your own. Like I don't mind turning over my Airbnb suites if I've got the girls and we've got a bottle of wine open. It's a party, right? Like let's clean this place and have a bottle of wine, and then it just doesn't even feel like you're working. But if I'm, you know, cleaning the bathtub on my own because, you know, the cleaner's not available and I've got to go in and turn over a suite quickly, I'm just like, oh my God, it's a beautiful sunny day. And here I am by myself cleaning the tub, right? So always more fun when you're collaborating. So when you're hanging wallpaper and you've got someone to help you hang the wallpaper, it's so much better. Pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I think uh, we're getting to the end uh, of the time that we have for this interview Liza, is there any kind of last piece of advice that you want to give people, you know, in terms of what they can do to get started or, or, you know, for a kind of a female cheerleading kind of a thing you want to give us to conclude stuff? Yeah, I think, you know, we've, we've covered it, but really it is get started, right? Like, don't be afraid to get started. If you've got a little bit of money that's sitting in your bank account, not doing anything or if you always had a, an interest in real estate, but you just don't know where to start, the, the key thing is to, to take that first step, you know, either buy a book, listen to the podcast, reach out to, to hosts and, and educators and, and start asking people, you know, how, how do I get started with you or with a group or in my geographic location, but, but just start taking action, right? The, the, the further uh, you're going to get ahead much further, much faster if you just start to take action, right? Don't don't let the books become shelf help. Don't you know read read the first chapter and then move on to something else and and be ready to do the hard work, right? Real estate is a long term game game. It's uh, game and game. It's not something that you're you know. Yes, there are people who have made quick dollars and quick turnaround in incredible markets, but that's not the norm. You know, you have to look at real estate as a, you know, a five to 10 to 20 year plan. And it can be life changing for yourself, your friends, your family, your community. If you stick with it, you know, don't give up when you're when you're three feet from gold or when you've had one bad experience. Right. Stick with it. Learn the tuition. Surround yourself with great people. Don't do it alone and, and just start taking action. Aside from being supportive on you know the women in our lives doing those things how what what else can i do to be helpful aside from just saying yeah go do these things that uh, that Liza's telling you to do 
Yeah. And Jonathan, I think, you know, that is a, a big part of it, right? Is, is being supportive, you know, and being curious, you know, one of the, the big things is, you know, sometimes we can offer our support, but what does that support look like, right? Support can sometimes be curiosity, like, you know, well, tell me how this works. Like, tell me how this is making you feel. Tell me, you know, explain to me why you're so passionate about this, right? Having that curiosity that, that helps to, you know, really get down to the layers of why we're doing the things we're doing, you know, that whole, you know, the whole why piece of it, being curious about that and being vulnerable about being vulnerable about what, what your fears are, right? Like sometimes if, if somebody's not supporting you, you know, why, what is it about this particular thing that is, is, is not allowing you to offer the support? Because maybe there's a tipping point there where if something was in place, you would be supportive. So I think there's that, you know, that range of the vulnerability and, and talking about what's holding you back from being supportive. And then the curiosity that helps bring up that support to a, a, another level. Are you, are you a therapist in another life? <laughs> I, like, I like what I'm putting down, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, no, but I think that's like, I think that's like some really good advice because I think, you know, there, like one of the themes through the interview has been this aspect of fear. And I think a lot of the times when people are not being supportive or, you know, something like that is not working, it's because there's a fear underlying it that's mm -hmm. preventing them. And so to like sort of turn it around and be like, well, what is it? Like, why am I not? What What is preventing you from buying into this? Tell me what, like, what are you scared of behind that? Exactly. Um, so I, yeah. I think that's really good advice. Yeah. Because most of the time we're more scared of our success than we're scared of our failure. True. Yeah. All right. Well, Liza, thank you for taking this time with us. Uh, it's been a really fun conversation. Great interview. And uh, we will ask everybody to, you know, share this, subscribe if they liked it. Liza, where can people find you? So the easiest place to find me is ren.club. That's W-R-E-N dot C-L-U-B. Four letter, the eight letters. It's really easy. And our contact information is there. We do a, a monthly newsletter. The book is there as well. And so, yeah, you can, uh, you can send us a little note. And obviously subscribe if you like and reach out if you have more questions. And uh, yeah, I love, love doing this, love being able to, to help enlighten people and, uh, and love sharing these great conversations. So jo uh, Jonathan and Terry, thank you very much for the opportunity. Great chat. I'm sure we could talk all day, right? Yep. Thanks, Liza. <laughs> thank, you. thank you. Thank you.